What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Hour number two of Sports Talk begins. Vince Ferrara, pinch hitting for Jimmy Hyams today. I'm John Wilkerson. And for this next hour, it's time for Vince's Views, powered by Waters Equipment Company. So we have plenty to talk about in regards to Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball for both the Vols and the Lady Vols, uh, some Tennessee baseball to drop in there. You've got VFLs in the NFL. And uh, also what was, uh, I think, really good news in terms of just adding to the optimism, Vince, um, for this third season that will be here before you know it for Josh Heupel and staff. And that is on3.com kind of did a update on their prospect rankings. And so Tennessee wound up with the number one prospect coming into college football this season, as well as a top 50 prospect in a receiver who certainly opened some eyes with uh, what he showed and showcased during the pre-bowl workouts. But first, Vince, welcome to your hour. How are you? (laughs) I am good. (laughs) Great to be back. I didn't get the boot at the top of the hour. That's good. Apologies to you for your view of having to look at my mug for four hours today. Oh, well, it's a fantastic day outside, so I... Just learn to look around. (laughs) But anyhow, that was one of the things that I thought was very good news uh, for Tennessee. Obviously, it doesn't make a bit of difference in terms of getting the job done between the lines. But still, I think it just adds flavor and depth to the conversation for the growth and the development of this Tennessee football program when you see um, a service like on3.com adjust its rankings and Tennessee gets to say that for 20, the class of 2023, it had the top prospect according to at least one outlet. Changes the narrative a little bit that was there at the beginning when they were stocking up those early commits, there was the, Oh, there's another three star. There's another three star. Well, as it turns out in the case of a Nathan Laycock, who was outside of Nico, who was the most discussed, the most complimented in the pre-bowl practices, he's a guy that went from 407 in the overall prospect rankings to I think 48 is where he was in the last on three. And that's just from late last year. That's how much he moved. And the point is, is that Tennessee was on him early. Brent Hubbs has talked about that. And it shows that early identification of his skill set and projecting out what those guys could be. And there's other examples of guys that have moved up. Jordan Matthews in this class. Uh, I I think that's a really good sign if you're trying to look beyond the numbers Mm -hmm. of early identification of players that ended up blowing up in their rankings down the road. Nico's another. Nico was there throughout, but he elevated to number one overall and. Seeing him at the Polynesian Bowl showed a lot of those skill sets. And seeing him at the bowl practices in Miami also. What were your takeaways? We get to uh, talk with your friend Steve Weish from the NFL Network who had the call of the Polynesian Bowl. That'll be around 6.30. But uh, what were your takeaways in terms of just watching the action? Boy, the quick twitch 
and length that he has, he's able to get, escape in the pocket with fluidity and explosiveness and quickness in different ways. He can spin out. He can move in different directions. He'll step up on the pocket at times as well and avoid the rush. And then he's got those crazy long strides and just able to get down the field so quickly with those long strides. And He had a couple of really long runs and ending up being the offensive MVP sat some of the second half as they played their second quarterback, but then they used them when it came to crunch time. Mark Richt, who was the coach of his team in the Polynesian bowl, went back to his starter and it paid off for him because he led him down the field for a go ahead score. And he he had a, a pretty pretty deep ball in the in the second half, and um, he had another slant by a thirty nine yarder that went, ended up going to the house that was right on the money in stride. He looked really good. Were there some incompletes? Sure, there were. But he's a guy that still you can add polish. They're going to want to add weight and muscle to his frame for the college level. So he's not a complete package. But, boy, you can see the arm talent that he's got. And then a theme that I've heard about because Mm -hmm. the players talked about, we saw it at the bowl practices. I saw it in my own eyes, and you could see it there. And I bet Steve Weiss will talk about it also, is his coachability. You could see that in the game where he's talking to, whether it's Mark Richt, he's talking to other quarterbacks, he's talking to receivers, And they talked about that during the broadcast that uh, so many of those elite players, because there is like eight five stars in that game, that they all wanted to be coached and be sponges. That's what that's what Joey Halsley told us about Nico, Mm -hmm. that Milton and Hooker were that way, where they wanted to know why they were running plays and what this coverage was and things like that. Nico has handled himself with that kind of maturity and not as a as, as one of the sideline reporters called them during the broadcast, Mr. NIL. They referred to him that way. So he's had that label, that attention, that hype. But he wants to be just a football player, and he is doing the things he needs to, to try to improve as a football player. Those things were evident, and that's what I saw him talking to other people at the practices in Miami when we had our, our viewing. And then you hear the players talk about it. All of those things are in line which has got to be exciting considering the success Tennessee has had and to have that kind of talent and escapability, which is part of this offense, man, it, um, it was, it was neat to see him with, with those skill sets on display in that game and getting rewarded for it with, uh, with the offensive MVP in the game. Yeah. And I do think that you've seen already on display, the fact that this is pretty level headed individual. Um, Also how many times he came to the university of Tennessee uh, as a, as a pledge, as a commitment prior to signing, was also impressive. I mean, him and his dad, his dad wearing a Mike Honcho jersey at Lindsey Nelson <laughs> Stadium. Uh, I, I just think that you've seen that he has fully embraced the what he views is now him being a part of Tennessee football, a part of Big Orange Country, and uh, you also saw him not bat an eye when he stepped on the tee and yet dropped and, and put and did the push-ups that were necessary. Yeah, he he gets it, and that's ex- you do not want the entitled elite players because you're going to have to manage that. You're going to have to recruit that player all the time. I don't think he is that way. Now, 
the playing time is always going to be something that's out of your that maybe not out of your control, but it's always going to be something in the back of everybody's mind if if that playing time isn't there. But um, as far as doing the things you need to to try to be your best and get on the field quickly, you want a motivated player like that, and I think he will bring that to the table. And Tennessee fans want they should hope that he is his best at the beginning mm-hmm. because that will only push Joe Milton. And then you might get an even better version of Joe Milton in the meantime. In terms of uh, where you see Nico right now, um, what do you think in terms of the build? Uh, do you think he'll grow into a frame? Because uh, it just seems like he's a bit slight right now. doesn't mean he can't grow. I mean, he's such an incredible athlete because mm-hmm. not only is he a fantastic football player, awesome volleyball player. I mean, this is somebody who's just got skills upon skills. But where do you think he is in terms, do you think he needs to put some meat on his bones before he becomes Tennessee's quarterback, whenever that might be. I do. When you're talking about SEC defenses, SEC defensive linemen, it's going to be a different story than what he's been able to get away from in on the high school level. He's listed at 200. He might be because he's six five six six. He might be 200, but I think you're if you want to stay healthy, I think they're going to want him in that at least in that 215 to 20 range at some point. How quickly he can get there, we'll see. But because of his length, I think he can put on the extra weight and get there. And um, and so yeah, I do think that build needs to uh, to increase. Again, we invite you to join us eight six five six five six ninety nine hundred. You can use that number to. Uh, you can use that number to text us or call us eight six five six five six. 9900. Let's go ahead and check in with Jim. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hello there. You, you know, when you were talking about Nico, um, there's a there's a nickname in Tennessee football history. Vince, you may be familiar with it. I know John certainly is. It, it goes back about a half a century, though. Artful Dodger. Yes. Remember that, John? Sure enough. He was at the first pitch banquet the other night uh, for is Tennessee baseball. Right? Yes, he was. Wow. Well, Condridge had some moves, didn't he? Very much so. Um, well, but everything I hear about Nico sounds great, and it's going to be terrific seeing him on the field. Um, I want to talk about Tennessee basketball, but I've got a question for you, Mr. Tampa Bay Bucks, Vince. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> uh, what is your best guess? Is Brady coming back? And if he does come back, is he coming back with the Bucks? And the good news is you don't have to ask him directly right now. <laughs> I, I will I will lean on my guys that are down there, and I would say, and I think some of the national analysts feel this way too. My guess is he's not coming back with the Bucks. The way he left, the the way he showed emotion. Uh, afterwards, I I think that if he does play, and I don't know if he will play, I think it will be with someone else. So I do think he is done at Tampa. W- what's a different dynamic? What's strange is Todd Bowles still being the coach and not being let go. But then they got rid of Byron Leftwich. Was that a move for Brady in case he decides he wants to come back, or was that a move? assuming that Brady isn't coming back, so we're just going to do what we think is best. That whole dynamic, do do you hang up your franchise and wait like the Packers did for Aaron Rodgers last year? 
So yeah. which was it? That part I don't know, but it 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 complicates things the longer this goes. But my guess is he doesn't return to the Bucks. Well, I would I would hope for for everybody's sake, including his own, he'd he'd make a decision fairly quickly. Jim, did let... you hear about his exchange with Jim Gray on his podcast oh, you, the other day? Yeah, that's why I, that's why I mentioned events. You don't have to ask him directly right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for those that didn't see the the quote, and we can't be fully transparent with it, but no. he just responded, Jim, if I knew what I was going to blanking do yep. i'd have already blanking done it yep. <laughs> okay i'm taking it a day at a time and I, then he said i appreciate your asking <laughs> i uh i think he touched a i think jim gray touched the uh, proverbial nerve i think yeah i believe gray's response was i sense you're antagonized by the question <laughs> Can't you get know, anything past I, the old Greenman. And he <laughs> no. likes Jim Gray. Imagine if yeah. it was someone that he didn't like. <laughs> really? I have not talked to you guys since uh, 10 days ago when Tennessee had just an absolutely terrible loss against Kentucky. I can't tell you when uh, there's been a basketball game so disappointing with Chris Lofton Day and all that stuff and a rival, and they just played awful. Since then, they've had two decent road wins. Where would you say this team right now is, uh, both ter- both in terms of of uh, health wise, and how far do you think this team can go when, when we get the postseason? Obviously, I think they have a high ceiling, but hey, any team can have a clunker along the way, and in the NCAA tournament one clunker and you may be gone. So what what what's the state of Tennessee's basketball team right now? Yeah, last year in the tournament clunker, thy name was Michigan. Um, Jim, <laughs> yeah. what we'll do, we appreciate the call. We'll pick that up. We need to get a break, but we will hit off. We will lead off the next segment with the response to Jim's question, which is a fair one. Uh, but that's Vince Ferrara. I'm John Wilkerson. This is Vince's Views, powered by Waters Equipment Company, as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. It's always football season, wherever you listen. Sports Talk continues. I'm John Wilkerson with Vince Ferrara, and we will get to the questions that Jim asked in the first segment, but we will uh, go ahead and say we're going to push that back just a little bit because, Vince, we have a very special guest that joins us now on the Stanley Fencing Gates hotline and will be in Knoxville later this week. That's right. Uh, ESPN college basketball analyst, former coach of Virginia Tech, long uh, and terrific coaching career. The great Seth Greenberg joins us. On the show, Seth, Vince, and John here in Knoxville. How are you, Seth? 
Doing great, man. Doing great. Well, Look forward to getting to Knoxville. Look forward to hanging out with Smokey and watching Rick Steve play uh, and practice. Not necessarily in that order, right? Yeah, Smokey's a little bit ahead of Rick. You know, I mean, Smokey's a little friendlier. Smokey doesn't send guys to the Vertimax when they, you know, make a turnover. So, you know, Smokey, no matter what, you bring a couple of biscuits, you rub his belly, he's good. Both are ahead of Jay Billis, though, on, on the list, right? Uh, no, yeah, Barzy's ahead of Billis, for yeah. sure. And Smokey's ahead of both of them. <laughs> so, Seth, uh, obviously you, you know what happened uh, – when Kentucky came to town, that that surprised a lot of people around here the way Kentucky was able to defeat Tennessee. But we've seen what Tennessee has been the last couple of games on the road. What have you thought of that bounce back from the Kentucky game from this Volunteers team? Yeah, I mean, look, I, look, Tennessee missed about five legs point blank. I mean, let's face it, they had they got some good looks. They just didn't finish. It was a physical game. It was a must-win game in a lot of ways for Kentucky. They were going south. But, look. Tennessee is one of the best teams in the country. Tennessee can win a national championship. Tennessee can obviously go to a Final Four. Tennessee beats you offensively, whether it's shooting a three or pounding it inside. They beat you with their depth. They can beat you with their big lineup, their small lineup. And obviously, you know what they've been able to do defensively. They have versatility in what they do. I think that's the thing that makes them a little different. Not many teams have a versatility in terms of, you know, you can put Josiah at four. He might have to play some four against uh, uh, against Texas later in the week. Or, you know what, you can play him at three the way he's shooting the ball. Obviously, Zakai back in the starting lineup, uh, as long as he's selectively aggressive, is absolutely terrific. Uh, but to me, it's the versatility of their lineup and the versatility of how they can play fast, slow, uh, that makes him so good. Sure to appreciate the time, Seth. And when you look at just adjustments that were made to the starting lineup, Uros Plavsic uh, was ill and so did not start. But Coach Barnes said after the game that he was going to go with the lineup that he went with anyway, and that was with Josiah Jordan-James at the four, moving Kamwa, Olivier Kamwa to the five. And then you have uh, Zakai Ziegler staying in the starting lineup. And uh, it just seems to be a lineup that could create some difficult matchups for the fact that you just have a number of guys that when Tennessee has its, its full five out there, um, they just got a lot of options, don't they? Yeah, they have a lot of floor gamers. I mean, like you put Josiah at four and all of a sudden he becomes, you know, an absolute matchup nightmare, the way he's shooting the ball, the way he can put it on the floor, the way he can pass the ball. Uh, Zakai gives him speed and, and pressure at the rim as well because of his ability to turn the corner. Uh, Olivia Conway is one of the best defenders in the country. Like, we talk about great defenders. The job he did on Jalen Wilson was phenomenal. Uh, you know, so what that lineup gives you, and then Santi, you know, makes the game easy for everyone. Uh, so that lineup just gives you so much offensive versatility, and you don't lose anything on the defensive end. It also gives you just a mature, physical, poised uh, lineup that, that understands – what it takes to play to win. Uh, so uh, I, I just uh, – Rick's ability to move that lineup around in a lot of different ways, but hit that starting lineup is really, really difficult. Let's face it, he made that switch early in the season when Zakai had a couple of games where I thought that you know the guard play shot selection wasn't great. I think he's got his attention, and now they better understand what they need to do. And that was really on display. Tennessee, before it went to LSU, played in Starkville and was minus a couple of starters in Key and Vescovy. But uh, there was Zakai Ziegler making that start and return to the starting lineup, as you talked about. 40 minutes, uh, career-high 24 points. Um, just so impressed with the young man. What stands out? And, and, and being having 
sat in the lead chair as you have, uh, as you did for so long. What do you look for when you take somebody out of the starting lineup? What are some of the things you look for besides necessity and their performance? Uh, what are some of the things you look for when you want to see them check boxes before they go back out there to start a game? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is, you know, a lot, some things will, will be in terms of situational. But, you know, I think that, you know, Rick's looking at, all right, what can I do in terms of make make us, give us the best chance to be the best version of ourselves come March? All right, yeah, because, you know, like March, you want to get off to a good start. So, you know, having an extra ball handler on the court, check, that's a good thing. March, you don't want to turn it over. Having a guy that is a low turnover guy. March, you want to have versatility where you can, like, you know, play big, play small, have depth at more than one position. So I, I think, you know, this was in the back of Rick's mind all along. I think that, you know, you know, giving players confidence, uh, defining roles as the season went along, uh, and then rewarding productivity. Like Josiah James, I mean, I think he's invested in that program. He, you know, he, he's, he deserves to be a starter. He's earned that opportunity. Uh, and it gives him tremendous, tremendous versatility. Zakai Ziegler, you know what he can do. Now, the only negative on starting Zakai is if you bring him off the bench, you have a guy that can really shake things up. You know, you know, he, you have a guy that changes, like, the dynamic, the DNA, and a little bit of the identity of your team. But I think getting off to a good start is really, really important. And I think that's uh, part of the reason. And, and, like, again, those guys have earned that. And to be able to bring uh, Euros off the bench – uh, to back up Olivier, that gives you even more versatility in your front court as well. ESPN College Basketball Analyst Seth Greenberg joining us here on Sports Talk. He'll be in town with the game day crew on Saturday for Tennessee versus Texas. I'm Vince Ferrar with John Wilkerson. Seth, you mentioned a little bit there and some some traits that are important for March and NCAA tournament success. Give, give me a, a couple that are you think the most important and how many of those things – Tennessee checks the the respective boxes of for a potential tournament team. Well, you got to be able to play fast and you got to be able to play slow, but you've got to be able to impose your identity on a game. Check, check, check. Uh, you've got to have uh, versatility in your lineup. Check. You've got to have experienced, tough-minded players. Check, check. Because if you think about the teams that go to the Final Four and teams that win national championships, look at the makeup of those teams. Mm-hmm. All right, not a ton of reliance on freshmen. Most of those teams, whether it's the Villanova teams, whether it's been the North Carolina teams, whether it's been the Baylor teams, they're all teams that are invested in the process, and that's what you know this Tennessee team has. Uh, and then you've got to have leadership, uh, and you've got to have a voice. You know, I, I've spent time at, at SEC Media Day with. Uh, Santi, Asante, uh, and, and Josiah, and I've been around Zakai. Uh, those guys aren't afraid to lead, and, and more importantly, they get guys to follow them. And you can't be a leader unless people follow you. And then you've got to have a great connection between the head coach and, and, and the players. Uh, and I think, you know, Rick is unbelievable. He coaches those dudes hard, and they love it. And they love it uh, because he they know his intent, and his intent is to help them be as good as they can be. So uh, I think they check all the boxes. I know people say, oh, you know, Coach Barnes hasn't had great success in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard. I think they've got a greater margin of error than most teams in the country. Uh, I really do. I think they they have shot making. They can turn people over. They can get to the rim. They can get to the free throw line. 
They can offensive rebound. Uh, you know, they do the things to get the extra possessions to stop you from getting upset. Seth, Texas, the opponent on Saturday in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Yeah. What does Texas bring to the table? What have you seen from them this year? Got to take care of the basketball, and you got to contain their guards. Uh, I don't think Dylan Dissou and, and Christian Bishop can beat you. You do have to run the floor with Bishop, but you've got to be strong with the ball, run hard offense, uh, and then at the end of the game, you got to take Marcus Carr out of the game because at the end of the game, He's a closer. They get their team of junkyard dogs. They're undersized. They're not getting much out of their front court, but they play really, really hard. I think I think Tennessee should be able to get to the offensive glass against them. But you know, two things: you got to take care of the ball, and you can't take bad shots to give them a chance to play ahead of the defense. Those are two really, really important things. What do you think in terms of that team being able to stick together despite all the uh, chaos that's taken place in terms of the leadership of the program? Uh, that that program has great identity and great culture, and obviously that is part of what Chris Beard built. And unfortunately, obviously, uh, yeah, he's not there because of his of his own actions. But like I've been to, to their practices multiple times, and before every practice, they lock arms and they literally chant together. Uh, they've got six seniors, so they have a strong locker room. They have maturity and very good leadership. They have a veteran coaching staff. Uh, you know, Bob Donald, one of the assistant coaches, uh, coached all over the world. Uh, obviously, Rodney Terry's been a head coach at two different places. Uh, they've got multiple head coaches uh, on their coaching staff. Uh, being there, they have a, t- a tight group. Being that they have a mature locker room, being a, that they have a very good identity and culture and experienced head coaches. Uh, surprised, I wouldn't say the word surprised, but uh, that's, you know, if you have a great identity and you have a great culture and you have good kids in your locker room, you have the chance to survive what they have experienced. So what is the reaction from Jake the Wonder Dog if he if you come home and he, he can tell that you've been hanging out with Smokey? Hmm. Yeah, bad news. Jake the Wonder Dog passed this summer. So, oh, I'm so um, sorry to hear uh, that. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. No, he was a good man. It's my, my right hand right there. And uh, I got a big picture of him sitting right in front of me here in my office. But uh you know, Jake would be happy. You know, you got to take care of you know family. Mm-hmm. You know, you one thing about those dogs. You know, they they stick together. So, uh, yeah. you know, big big Smokey, big Smokey will get a good welcome from me. Now, I don't think I'm going to be back flipping into the uh, to the river like uh, McAfee, <laughs> McAfee. But, uh, <laughs> but we might have we, we might have a couple of surprises for you. But we just hope we, we'd like to see Smokey on the set for you know for a good portion of the uh, of the show. And it's really important for students to come out. It, this this. Host, there's only six college game days. Now think about that. There are six all season in college basketball. Wow. You guys had two of them in football. All right. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get one of the six because let's face it, Duke and Carolina are going to probably get one each. So now you're down to four. And uh, so I hope that the student body and the community come out. We're going to have a. We're going to have fun. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we're going to be hopefully entertaining, informative. We're going to have to do some things to interact with the, with, with the fans and the students. We're going to do a Q&A before the show starts. So we really encourage people to come out and, uh, and have fun with us. And, uh, you know, we think it's a great way to kick off the day, SEC Big 12 Challenge, uh, in a great venue uh, in a, in a, at a school that loves college basketball. We, we think you should find a way to get Tony Vitello, Tennessee baseball coach, who's our absolute rock star in this area, find a way to get him involved some way, Seth. 
Oh, really? Is he the man? He's the man. He's Italian, too, so that doesn't hurt his cause. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he is a rock well, tell star. Tell him he needs to come out and get these students fired up. <laughs> he'll he'll do it. Hey, Seth, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the time today. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. You got it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. As ESPN college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg does an awesome job and very high on Tennessee addressing that Rick Barnes hasn't done it in the postseason conversation, which is still going to linger until mm-hmm. the, the wins come in the postseason. But great stuff from Seth. That's Vince Ferrar. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. The hour continues. Vince's Views, powered by Waters Equipment Company on 99.1, the sports animal. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. Sports Talk continues. I'm John Wilkerson with Vince Ferrara, and we sure do appreciate Seth Greenberg for joining us. And, Vince, we covered, I think, a lot of the real estate that Jim wanted to know, perhaps, from his question in the first segment this hour, and that was, what does this Tennessee team have or possess that uh, that looks good? How might they stack up in terms of when we get to March and the tournament? Well, first of all, in the short term, I love Tennessee's new starting lineup. I think it's your most trusted five. So they kind of stumbled into it because they had a couple of starters out. And Rick Barnes was forced to start Zakai Ziegler and Josiah Jordan James. And there is no reason, in my opinion, to change that. Now, Seth Greenberg brought up a good point. Well, what you lose is how Zakai Ziegler, while other teams are starting to tire out a little bit, the difference-making, how you can change the game. But getting off to a a great start with Zakai Ziegler in your best five or more minutes, I think that's a a bigger plus. So I I think they should roll with this lineup, and I think that's what they're going to do. Now, moving forward, the one thing that I have said that I think is an absolute trait of national championship winning teams is experienced teams. And he phrased it, experienced teams, Seth Greenberg, experienced teams with tough-minded players. Check, check. Absolutely. Tennessee has both of those in one. So I think that's a great characteristic that Tennessee has for postseason success. Now, I know there's always going to be the Barnes aspect of it. Until he gets the W's there, people don't want to hear about this trait and this possibility and this person playing well. I think that's a huge plus, though, to have that that trait. Another thing they have, and Seth Greenberg talked about this as well, is versatility. They have versatility in their lineup. They have versatility in how they play. They can play in a lot of different ways. They can create mismatches. And they can defend in any of those. So there's not a big drop-off in how you're doing it. He called Olivier Cumwell, who probably doesn't get enough talk about his defense, one of the best defenders in the country. So being able to not being able to play different ways and have success in that, especially defensively in the postseason when you don't know how a game is going to go, but you have answers. He said they have one of the greatest margins of of it uh, of error of anybody, and that versatility is what makes them different. 
I think it's a plus. The one thing about this team that I still wonder about, Seth is right with the versatility, they can play a lot of different ways. The one thing that I think would complete all the different ways is if they got consistent front court scoring from Olivier Kamwa. I don't know that anyone else is going to develop, whether it's Jonas or Tobe. Uh, I don't know if anyone else, and Uros just showed some games he can do it too. By the way, my Vol Network pregame interview for the Georgia game tomorrow night. Very is, nice. Is it Urosh? But I, I think you have to get that low post scoring consistently and have that be a threat in the postseason to where when you go to it, you can get a bucket and not have these long offensive droughts. Mm-hmm. That is the one still question mark for me about this team for the postseason. But they have all the other traits you talked about. So, Jim, that's the way I look at them uh, for moving forward. Let's get a call from Steve. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. What do y'all think about our portal dude from Arizona State? I know I've asked about him before. Some people think he's a really good prospect. What do y'all think? Yeah, he's a guy that I think you could potentially see drafted if he has a really good year. I think with his size, athleticism, uh, and some experience – I think the one thing he needs is technique. Well, right. who's better at that than Rodney Garner? Yeah. Right. I, I think I think it's an outstanding fit. He was one of the guys that they thought was going to be a uh one of the the best players for them defensively. Uh, he he's been described as cat quick, so he is athletic and I think has a shot to start in the interior of Tennessee's defense. We'll see how he develops and how he adjusts to that hard coaching he's going to get from Rodney Garner. But if he can put up with that and deal with that, I think you're going to have a motivated guy that could play on the next level and a potential starter. Okay, I got another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, is his name Bradley out of Missouri that at one time was highly touted as a prospect defensive end? What kind of year did he have and what do you think about him? Bradley out of Missouri. You talk on the Tennessee defensive. Yeah, the side on the defensive line. Oh, oh, this year, Chandavian Bradley. Yeah, he's uh, he's more of an edge, and you need the pass rush. Four star guy across the board, six two two fifteen. So he's going to need to put on size. You're you're not going to be able to play at two fifteen, even though there was some of the freshmen from this past year were in that range long term he's going to need to put on some more weight and he will so he's a guy that i think you could see have a role this year but you would expect the josephs and the pierces who in this offseason in adjusting from last year they've already put on some some weight and are bulking up that both of those guys pierce jr is now 242 josephs is 238 or they were late in the year uh, right. So you're going to need to put some weight on him, but he's another guy with that quick twitch that can be a factor for you in rushing the passer down the road. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, the, the boy Mo Mears is in the portal, the defensive back, of course. What about him? What do you think about him? Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly which one you're talking about, though. From... John, do you know his name? Say it again, who you were looking at? From Ole Miss. Uh, defensive Defensive back, I may have said in. If I did, I didn't mean to. Defensive back from Ole Miss is in the portal. That's in the portal? Yeah, he entered the portal okay. and we're recruiting him. All right. 
I was just making sure whether you were talking about somebody who was from the portal for Tennessee or in the portal. You talking about Zamari Walton? No, he's he's going to uh, Ole Miss. Uh, we'll, we'll try. Yeah, go ahead. This this guy is at Ole Miss, but he's leaving Ole Miss. He is a cornerback, uh, a defensive back. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a freshman Davison in in Bignison, a kid from New Jersey, good size, six one yeah, one eighty five. Yeah, from New Jersey. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he's that's him. About back. Yeah, he he's okay, just okay. That's probably him. Yeah. he's from New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, he's just a freshman, so he's a guy that's unproven. But he was a four star coming out initially, part of really good Lane Kiffin signing class. He's the size that this coaching staff wants. In being above 600, almost all of Tennessee's secondary is six feet or taller. In fact, yeah. in counting counting what they brought in out of my count, out of 20 DBs, Tennessee only has two that are shorter than six feet tall in how they're listed. D, right, right. D. Williams and Andre Turrentine are 5'11". Everyone else is between six feet and... 6-2 in that secondary, so they do like that size, but again, limited playing time so far. Yeah, right. and, and as far as what he did at Ole Miss, uh, he started 10 games uh, as a true freshman, registered 37 tackles, defended five passes. Yeah. Well, if he started 10 games, that impresses me. And uh, as a freshman, he started 10 games. Yeah, he was so. a four-star prospect uh, before he signed with the Rebels. Right, right. Right. Okay. Well, okay. I'm glad that uh, Vince, glad to hear you talking about Pierce. I'm hoping, mm-hmm. I'm hoping things work out there. Uh, you know, he's. I know everybody talks about Joseph, and that's he deserves it. But you know, Pierce could be a star player too. Pierce was a five star with on three, and I mean right. both both of those guys, Pierce and Josephs, were highly rated. But right. Pierce has a six five frame, six five two forty two from Charlotte. So I mean, he looks the part for sure. Steve, we appreciate it. We've got more with Vince Ferrara coming up. Final segment of this hour of Sports Talk is next. Vince's Hour brought to you by Waters Equipment Company on 99.1, the sports animal. Final segment to this hour of Sports Talk. Final segment for Vince's views as powered by Waters Equipment Company. But Vince will be a part of the second half of the show as he's pinch hitting for Jimmy Himes today. Uh, Vince, we should just uh, highlight quickly that with the first pitch banquet taking place the other night, uh, Tennessee has once again been projected the number two team in the country for another preseason poll. Um, collegiate baseball had Tennessee at number five, but since then we've seen perfect game, D1 baseball, and now Baseball America all have Tennessee number two behind preseason number one, LSU. Yeah, I think that's that's the spot you're going to continue to see them in a lot. Interestingly enough, that's the exact order of a lot of the sites Transfer portal rankings. Correct. <laughs> Tennessee, too. That is a big factor. It's another loaded lineup with a ton of pitching, another loaded team with a ton of pitching. It'll look different in terms of uh, on the field, on defense, but, man, there's plenty of talent, and it's proven productivity, culture, all those kind of things. So why not trust Antonio Vitello if you're doing your preseason projections? And then uh, if you didn't hear from his his bit in updating what the facilities uh, future in the near future and the long-term future, they are now in the process of adding a third deck 
to the left field bleachers. How about that? Yeah, isn't that something? That's uh, that's just really cool. Uh, so we will see a, another third level um, in terms of the porch. Stack them. That's it. They, that's what they're going to do. I think they should uh, say, okay, we'll stop when we hit the top of the foul pole. <laughs> <laughs> Stack them and sell them. That, and that is also. Build it and they will continue <laughs> to come. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kamal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.